You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Don't you just love the power of technology, the ability to communicate? I was thinking this morning about back when I was in kids' ministry, it was about felt boards. Like Noah's Ark wasn't on an LED screen. It was like actually a felt that went on this, you know, and we have moved forward. I mean, outside right now in the kids' ministry, there's an LED screen in there. The kids are going crazy. I mean, this technology is moving forward. And so I just love that we can be linked across all the campuses. And Pastor Luke, I've never done this before. I've never prophesied over someone via a link, but I want to do this. I feel like God wants you to hear this over. Uh, since, since last time I was at conference this year, when I was at conference, what hit me and what impacted me was the incredible growth in your life from conference to conference. And so I don't, I'm not here every week, so I don't get to see it, but I've obviously known your journey for a long time now. I've seen you grow up. And to watch the last 12 months between 2017 and 2018, honestly, I was gobsmacked at the growth when you were up front, the authority that God placed in your life, the, the excellence of your leadership. And I feel like I want you to hear this. In 2019, what's about to happen for you personally is beyond just being a better leader. It's beyond just being the kind of person people say, man, he's just growing. And well, that's Pastor Paul's son. So you would imagine that that should be flowing through. No, no. I feel like I want you to hear this, that there is something coming to you that is far different than just something you can get in a textbook. And I believe God wants you to hear this. There is a brand new anointing that is going to come on your life, on Missy's life, on your whole family's life. And it's something that only comes in the pressing. See, oil flows from the pressing. When you look at the Old Testament, the the olives would be pressed and, and oil would come out of it. And beyond that, I just believe God wants you to hear this. Some of the stuff you had to walk through this year, uh, in practically speaking and in the capacity of your life, it's actually God preparing you for an anointing that will have a lot of grace attached to it. And it's going to flow out of you. And you're going to see new things. You're going to hear new things. And you're going to start to speak in a way that everyone in this church is going to go. It's almost like week to week. We cannot believe what you're doing. And so, Luke, I want to pray for you. Father, right now in Central, and maybe if you've got some people around you there, just want to place your hands on Luke. Father, I pray, Lord, that 2019, Lord, would be a coming out, Lord, of the anointing of God, that, Lord, it cannot be brought, it cannot be purchased, but, God, it's what you do when you turn up in the life of an individual. And, God, Lord, we speak right now in Jesus' name that, God, Lord, something significant is about to take place that only you can can do, Father. And I I just sense, Luke, right now, your engine's going from a V6 engine to a V8 engine, and the key for that is that you need the oil to be flowing, the fuel of God to fire you up, and you just watch what God's going to do. Come on, let's give God a hand. Hey, that's amazing that God wants to... To hear that tonight, that's fun, hey? You can prophesy over technology. Who else wants to go north? No, I'm just joking. We are going to have some ministry though tonight. And I just want to say, if it is your first time to church, maybe it's your first time visiting one of the locations around Auckland right now. This is an amazing place. If I lived in Auckland, I would come to life. There is nowhere else I would go. I just love what God is doing here. Can I encourage you just to come and visit a church once? You're never really going to find that you'll get the full experience. I would encourage you, come three or four times. Go and do, do the next step course and actually get a heart for what God's doing because God is at work in this church. Something significant is about to break open. I believe that you are in a place where you can flourish, your family can flourish, and God can do good things. And I better start preaching because I haven't started yet. So let's get into it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you as we come around your word tonight. Get us ready, Father, for what you want to do. Lord, we want to give this service to you, Lord. We go away from the run sheet and we stick squarely onto the Spirit of God and what you want to do in people's hearts. Lord, right there in the North Campus, online, in Central, Father, here in the South Campus. God, we just declare you are sovereign. Hearts are opening, Father, to your word. The gospel will be preached tonight, Father, and lives will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Last April, Ellen and myself, my beautiful wife that is present right now, we had the incredible opportunity to spend a week in San Francisco. I was preaching to some great friends of mine there, and we had a week leading up to we were able just to kind of refresh and spend some time there. And on one of the days, we got to go to Alcatraz, otherwise known as The Rock. And I'm a bit of a history buff. I love kind of anything that's got the need, National Geographic Channel, Discovery Channel, anything that's going to make me learn and grow. But I had seen the movie not long before going there, The Rock, which has got Sean Connery in it. Anyone seen that movie? It's a great movie. And so we headed over to Alcatraz, and we got there. And if you've never been there before, you have to take a ferry boat ride out to Alcatraz because, you know, it's historically famous for the fact that it's a big rock in the middle of the sea. And, you know, over the years, there's been speculation that possibly someone may have survived the swim from the escape to the, to the shore. But no one ever proved it or no one's ever historically said it's been done. But there's definitely rumors that people did survive that swim, that the sharks are there in San Francisco Bay. You know, we did a tour with our friends and we went through and we put our head, head, headphones on. It's actually an incredible tour to realize that 200 of the world's worst criminals were in the same place, in the same kitchen at times, in the same cell block. It would have been a scary place to be. Like, this is a place that was known for the world's worst criminals came there to do time and you were never going to escape. On this particular day we were there, what was really cool was that one of the original prison guards from the 60s was there signing his books. It was an opportunity for us to actually touch and speak to someone who was there with these world's worst criminals. And my friend that was with me, he said to him a question that I'll never forget the response. He looked at him and said, what was it like to like be the jail guard or the, the prison guard for some of these most famous criminals that we literally speak about to this day? And it was his response that caught me. And it's a response that I believe tonight God wants you to hear because if you can get this into your spirit, I believe God's going to speak to us. His response was this. It wasn't the ones that we knew about before they arrived that we should have been most concerned about. It was the ones that no one ever heard of. And I want to prophesy to note over people in every campus that God is getting ready to do something through people that no one has ever heard of. See, you are the biggest threat. You are the dangerousest threat for anyone who right now, people might say, well, I, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I, I match the bill. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like God would ever use me. Don't, don't you know that I'm just the guy on the car park? Don't you know I'm just the person operating the camera job? Don't you know that I don't know if God necessarily has a call? Maybe I've disqualified myself for things, but God hasn't. And I believe that God wants you to hear this tonight, that God is getting people ready that no one has ever heard of because you are about to be the most dangerous weapons for the kingdom of God. I hope you're getting excited there at Central Campus because some of you are in the room right now. God's got a call for people. God is looking not for the most used, the most amazing. He's looking for the most available. People that would say, hey God, I haven't got it all together. I'm glad that you're in a church where even the pastor say he's not perfect. Because it's too hard to attain perfection. Only Jesus can be perfect. But I can be available. I can say, God, please, would you use me? I want to speak about someone in the Bible. There's a little book in the Bible that probably walked a similar journey that you and I could probably most appreciate that we would say, well, I could have been that. I could have been that Bible character. I could have easily made the decisions just like him. And his name was Jonah. This little four-chapter book in the Bible that is synonymous with child's kids' stories, kids' storybooks, but has so much punch in it, so much understanding when you can unpack this four-chapter book of what it could mean for you and I today. See, Jonah was a prophet in Israel. He was busy minding his own business, and then one day, God taps his, taps his little mind and says, hey, hey Jonah, I've got, a, I've got a mission for you. I want you to leave your comfort zone right now, and I want you to head towards Assyria, 
And I want you, uh, which is, uh, sorry, I want you to head to Nineveh, which is a place that was controlled by the Assyrians. It'd be like going to modern day ISIS territory in Syria. It would be like going to the most difficult place on planet Earth to let them know that Jesus loves them while war is breaking out. And as a result of hearing this instruction from God, this mission that gets downloaded, Jonah literally turns the other direction and literally freaks out. He's like, I I I can't do this. This is like something that's beyond where I'm at right now. And he heads down to this port in just off Tel Aviv called Joppa. We were there last year at this little port in Joppa. And he decides that he's going to go the opposite direction and get on a boat and go to a place called Tarshish, which is across the way. He gets the money that he has and he, he gives the money to the captain of the boat and he sails in the opposite direction of God. Hear me for a moment. You might think to yourself, if I was to pursue the call of God, it's going to cost me something here. Like, like if I was to pursue that call, it means I might have to sacrifice financially or sacrifice in areas. But I want to say this to you as well that if you aren't willing to pay the price, it's going to cost you somewhere too. Because God's looking for hearts that are saying, yes, God. Yes, God, I'm going to do something with what you're asking me to do. I wonder if God's asked you something and you're heading the opposite direction. Maybe right there in North Campus right now, you're in a season where you're like, I know God's been speaking to me about my business, but I'm really loving the fact of the stuff that I can get right now. And I know, God, you've been speaking to me about sacrificing, but for whatever reason, I've got more interested in my comfort. Trust me when I say it will cost you somewhere. It might not look like what you thought it was. It, not a, maybe it might not be a financial thing, but it's going to cost you maybe in your family. It's going to cost you in not being able to sleep at night time as you find yourself in a situation where you are in conflict with God's mission for your life. He gets on this boat. He's running from his call. The Bible says the seas rose up and all of a sudden it was so rough to the point where the sailors are panicking. These are seasoned sailors and they're wondering who is it that's on our boat that is causing the seas to roar. There was a myth amongst sailors that it was always someone that was the problem. And eventually Jonah puts his hand up and says, look guys, I'm sorry, it's my fault, my bad, I need to get out of here. And they literally throw him overboard and we hear this story of Jonah being stuck in the, the, the belly of a whale. It's a crazy story when you think about it, but he gets swallowed by this whale, he spends time and then eventually while he's in there, he cries out to God and says, I'm so sorry. I know I've been running from what you've asked for me, God. I know you've been speaking to me about this and I, I freaked out. I, I, I couldn't do it. And it's in that moment that we see the grace of God poured out on Jonah. You need to hear me tonight. You might be here going, I know I've been running. Hey, you might be here at church for the first time in a long time and you've been running from a relationship with God. You might be here tonight going, I, I know I'm supposed to have been going to church, but I've never been to the doors of a church and I'm here tonight. I've got good news for you. We serve a God who is loving. We serve a love who is gracious. And whenever I am heading in a direction and I know that it's the opposite of what God wants for my life, all it takes for me is to stop and say, God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I turn myself around and run back into your loving arms. And the promise of God is for you that He will be waiting with His arms wide open. Someone needs to hear that tonight. Stop running from Him. Stop running from His purpose. Stop running from His call. Stop running from the fact that He loves you and He wants to know you. Often we get ourselves caught up in thinking that God would never accept me. If only people knew what I've done, but God says, I want you, all of you, the worst, the best, all of you, I want you. Ultimately, He's after your heart. He's after who you are. He's after what He's made you to be. I just wondered tonight who needs to hear that, that it's never too late to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Jonah ends up after repenting at the city of Nineveh. And he spends, even in his greatest fear, he spends 40 days 
Letting people know that you need to turn your life around. You, God wants you to know that you need to repent, you need to get right. And at the end of that 40 days, Jonah leaves the city and all the people there. And as a result of his willingness to be obedient to God, the Bible tells us that the people there turn their lives around. They repent to God and say, we're sorry. They fast. They actually wear sackcloth as a sign of sacrifice. And God spares the city. And it's at this particular point you would say, Jonah, job well done. Like you faced your fears, you turned around, you got things right. And many people end the story here and think, well done, Jonah. Good boy. Pat him on his back. Good job. The problem is this, that we see something beyond this point. Something that you and I can learn from tonight. Something that you and I probably would be very tempted to be like this. You would think even though he was acting out of God's will to save this city, something in his nature... Something as part of who he was decided that there must be more to the story. And I want to pick it up from Jonah chapter 4, verse 5. You're on board now. You know what's going on. And I want us to learn tonight from what it looks like when we run from God or when we pass judgment on people. Jonah 4, verse 5 says this. And Jonah has gone out, had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter. He sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. I'll pause here for a second. I think, like this is just me speaking, something in Jonah, even though he went and told them what was going, he didn't know that they had repented. Something about him, I think he sat on the hill waiting maybe for a Sodom and Gomorrah moment. Thinking, like, I've done everything I can, and you know what, these people don't deserve it, and that guy was about to put on a fireworks show and blow the city up. That's kind of how I read this, that he was like, we'll see what happens. And then the Lord, God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about this plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided again a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? It is, he said, and I'm, so, I'm ang so angry that I wish I was dead. And the Lord said, you have been more concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there were more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also the animals? I don't know why he included the animals there. This confuses me. Maybe he was a vegan. I don't know. He just said... I include everyone and the animals. And this story, when I first read it, really confused me. Like, why would God provide comfort and then pull it away? Why would God provide shade and then get rid of it with an east scorching wind? Like, what can we learn from Jonah's life in the way that he had an attitude towards what God wanted to do? I don't know if we have anyone in the room that plays cricket or played cricket at some time, but I was a cricketer. And I look back at my... My life in my early 20s, married life, I can't believe I had a gracious wife who let me spend most of my Saturday on a cricket field, pursuing the funness of sport and all the, the, the banner goes on with the boys. But I remember some days in the west of Sydney, I was playing for a club called Richmond, or Hawkesbury, which is the, the cricket club, and there would be days where it was like 40 degrees and we'd be on a cricket field from 9am till 6pm. I look back and think, Joe, you're an idiot. Like, what were you thinking? Like, just... Should have played 2020 or just, you know, just, but I'd spend the whole day on the field getting sunburnt. And 
everybody okay for the first few hours, but by the time we hit the tea break, which was at about three o'clock in the afternoon, we would head off to the dressing sheds or we would head back to, to kind of the grandstand and we would get our drinks out and we would start to drink. And I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, it was very, very difficult to get back on that field. Like it was very hard to find the motivation after six hours in the 40 degree sun to get back out there. I know what it felt like to get into a situation where I started the day with so much passion for the game, but by three o'clock in that afternoon, I was like, get me out of here. I have no interest in continuing this particular day of cricket. And I think that's true for many Christians, for many people. There are seasons of life where the heat comes. There are seasons of life where the testing happens. The Bible tells us, Jesus says, hey, there's going to be storms in life. There's going to be trials. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be things that are going to rise up against you. But it's in those times where we find ourselves in 40 degree heat with the pressure coming on us that we would much rather go to a place of comfort and hide and get under the shade tree and get away from the thing that maybe was what once was our passion. It was a thing that we wanted to see people's lives change. We wanted to be part of a thriving, growing church. But we found the, the weight of life, the, the things that were coming at us too hard that I didn't want to get back out from that place of comfort. I would rather just come to church and be part of church. And I wonder if there's some people here tonight across all the campuses, you can relate to Jonah. You know what it feels like to be vibrant and on fire for God and chasing after your call, but then find yourself in a place where you don't want to come out from that shady, leafy place. Like, like you've been burnt or you've been hurt or you found yourself in a place where you're like, man, it's comfortable back here. Like, I don't want to go back out. I don't want to get the passion flowing once again. Just like Jonah. I think he actually thought that that city deserved to be punished. Like, I think that he saw his mission field away from what God had asked him to do as a pain. And even though God has thoughts of mercy and grace, Jonah had the opposite. He wanted to see justice. And I have a real sense in my heart to those people here. And you've looked at some of the things that have happened to you. Like, you are struggling to find the justice in what has happened. You're like, man, I've been praying every day. I gave at church. I served at church. I worshiped the songs. I served. I did everything I could, but God, the preconceived outcome I had in my head is not matching my reality right now. The problem is this, that we find ourselves trying to play God, that if I do good, I'll get good. I'll get good. If I do a certain amount of things that God, that should equal a certain amount of abundance in my life. But God doesn't operate that way. See, God's looking for your heart. God's saying, hey, I know your story from the beginning to end. I know every part of what's about to happen. And I just wonder if maybe some people here got stuck under a shady leaf. We've got more interested in being comfortable and missing the fact that just like what God was trying to get through to Jonah, that there were 120,000 people that were looking and waiting for someone to turn up with the message of Jesus, the the message of the gospel, the message of the fact that you need to turn your lives back to God. And you know what's easy to do as Christians, that we get more interested in what's happening on the inside of church. And right now your friends, your neighbours, your colleagues are on a pathway to hell and we want to get comfortable with what the message that God has given. You are the holders of good news. There at Central, you hold the good news. Tomorrow when you sit at your desk. Tomorrow when you're out in a building site somewhere. Tomorrow as you're running your business. Tomorrow you are the holder of good news and you may be the only person that can be the representative of Jesus Christ tomorrow and we have no place to hang out under shady cliffs. We need to make sure we're in a place going, hey, I'm going to let my light shine. Don't be like Jonah watching everyone else's call work itself out and find yourself in a mess. I don't know if you've ever taken a drive from 
possibly like say from Auckland down to Wellington. I remember one time driving from Wellington up to Taupo and going towards the snow there and it was a fun trip and that, that drive, the desert road, is something like nowhere else on planet Earth. Where you go from like, is it Thai Happy there in Wellington? Or just past and you come out to all of a sudden this desert and you think, where are we? You know, if you were to set off from Auckland tonight to go to Wellington, I think the first thing you'd probably do is check the oil of your car, make sure that the, the tyres are pumped up, make sure the window wipers are in good order. You maybe make sure your playlist is ready to roll as well. If you're here in the south, you would make sure that it's on point, ready to go. Yeah. And let's imagine for a moment you are halfway between Auckland tonight and you got to near Taupo and all of a sudden you didn't see it coming, but boom, the tire goes. Just blows. You didn't see it coming. You were on a journey. You were on mission to get to Wellington. The tire goes. It's 11 o'clock at night. Nothing's open. You decide to quickly go around to the back and you can't remember, do I have a spare tyre? I don't know if my car has a spare tyre. I've never checked it before. For those of you that are highly diligent and good at admitting life, you've probably got three in the back ready to go. But for a lot of us like myself, we don't know if it's even there. I'm not sure. Some of you might even have one of those space-saving ones. Have, Have you seen those little tiny ones that you can have just in case... They're really not good in this situation, but it might get you through to the next petrol station. Here's what I feel like God wants you to hear tonight. In life, we find ourselves traveling in journeys. God's got a mission. God's got a purpose. But there are far too many Christians that when they go to the back of their car spiritually and open it to get that that spare tire out, you are found wanting. You have not been preparing yourself for what could happen when the storms of life come. And you go in there to dig out for, for an answer. You, you're like, oh God, I wish I'd been reading my Bible more because I'm grasping at nothing. Yeah. God, I, I wish I'd been turning up the church more because at the moment I feel like I'm grasping at nothing. This season, gee, I wish I was turning up the group because at least I'd have some guys or girls around me right now in this tough season. But I'm grasping at thin air back here. And here's what happens. We go to stretch out and find that spare tire. And what we actually find is addictions. We turn to things that cannot solve the problem. What we need is a spare tire, but people are stretching back and they're picking up an alcohol bottle. They're picking up recreational jobs. They're finding themselves in a situation where they're going to go online tonight and they're going to look at pornography or they're going to be online gambling. And they try to fill the space that only God can fill. There's only one thing that God wants to do is He wants to put you back on track. He wants to get that spare tire back on track so that you can keep going for all that God has. And I wonder, I wonder if you would open your spare boot tonight spiritually, what would be in there? What would you find on the storm of life that you have said, I have prepared well. I am ready for the thing that Jesus said was coming my way. There are people that are watching online in the campuses right now and you're addicted to medical prescriptions. And God's saying, I need to fill that space. That won't. There are people watching right now, the people in this campus And you're finding yourself in a place where you're reaching for things that only God can fill. Only God can fill it. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this. Please listen to the words here that are written by Paul. Being confident of this, that he who began, he who set out from Auckland, he who set out with a mission of God, a purpose of God, he who began a good work in you, Turn to your neighbour and say, in you. Now turn to your second choice and say, you too. He who began a good work 
in you. We'll carry it out to completion. He will get you there until the day of Christ Jesus. And right now, metaphorically speaking, you might be pulled over to the side of the road. You might feel like all of a sudden life has thrown you a curveball where the tire went and you didn't see it coming. And I want you to understand that tonight, I, I have a sense in my heart that Jesus is here like an M1 mechanic. So an F1 mechanic. He's walking through the walls of the buildings. He's walking through the spaces, the aisles, saying, hey, I've got spare tyres ready to go. Would you stop looking for the spare tyres in places you won't find them because I'm here and I want to fill those places that you've been trying to fill with other things. Jesus is walking up and down the aisles right now in all the locations online saying, I'm the answer. I have the tyres. I'm ready to put your tyre back on. But would you let go of those things that will never replace what only He can? You might be here right now going through, Joel, you have no idea about how tough life is right now. You have no idea the disappointments. You don't know how it feels like to go bankrupt. You don't know what it feels like to have my husband just walk out in the middle of our marriage and I didn't see it coming. Joel, I'm a single mom. And right now, just getting up in the morning is challenging. Just paying the bills is... Joel, there was a time where I felt like God was speaking to me and I was on track, but I was let down. And I want to tell you, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be pulled over the side of the road and looking for every reason, but but it's only Jesus. It's only those times I remember there were nights where I would literally lie in bed at two in the morning with tears flowing down my head thinking, Joel, so thinking, God, why, why, why have I been pulled over the side of the road here? God, why, why is it that I thought I was doing what you asked me to do, but yet I find myself in a place and I would fill my ears with worship and in an upside down posture, I would stretch my hands to God and say, God, would you fill me because there's nothing else that will fill me. And I wonder tonight, right through all the location that God's tapping on your heart saying, would you let me in? That disappointment, that hurt, that breakdown, that marriage, that business issue, that credit card that's lost the plot. I don't know what to do. Jesus is here right now. I can sense Him. He wants to be the mechanic of your heart. We see the grace that God poured out to Jonah in that whale. Even to the point where he provides this, this shade for Jonah. But I don't know about you, but I struggle with the fact that 24 hours later, God sends a worm and boom, it's gone. Like, what does that mean? Like, what are you doing, God? And I felt God showed this to me so clearly as I was reading the story of Jonah. See, the purpose of the leaf was that God knew that Jonah needed a time to recover. God knew that he needed a space, a, a period of time just to, to just to get fresh again and just to remember why he was doing what he was doing. But there is always, when it comes to the kingdom of God, an expiration date for resting. Because God is more interested in that 120,000 people that are missing. God is more interested in your friends and your family and the people of Auckland hearing the message of Jesus than He is necessarily on the comfort of someone that we already know the good news. And you might be here tonight saying, Joel, well, what I'm going through right now, I get it. There's times we need to rest. 
there's times we just need the space to just get things right, just to realign our heart, realign our thinking. But for some of you here tonight, you need to hear this. It's been way too long and God says rest time's over. There's a move of God about to happen in this city and in this church and you need to be ready. It needs all hands on deck. And it's everyone going back to the point of saying, I need to get back on mission. I need to remember that God has called me and I might have lost my passion, but God, even though I feel it right now, like the, 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 the hot sun, I don't know if I can withstand the, the intensity of God saying, hey, I want to put some sun cream on you and get you back out there. Hey, I want to get you back out amongst the, amongst the people and allow you to allow for God to start to function again. Yeah. And listen to me carefully. If you've been through a tough season, a rough season, a challenging season, God's grace is so sufficient for you. And he who did complete that and start that work, he wants to complete it in you. And here's what I found. It's the seasons of life that don't make sense that God does the most. The seasons of life where I thought the sun should be shining brightly right now. And yet the storm hit are the times that I've learned the most, that I've grown the most, that God has gone, you know what, now I want to show you what I was really preparing you for. I know you, you thought you were going to, to Wellington via this road, but I actually want to take you a different road because you're going to get there a lot faster, even though you didn't see that or you didn't know that was possible. God wants you to hear that, that God has got a destination for you. God has got a plan for you. God has got something in store for you. And it can't happen while you're pulled to the side of the road. I'd love you to stand up right now in every location right across Auckland. Maybe you're at your computer watching online. Maybe you're there with your wife just watching or maybe you're on your phone. Why don't you stand as well? And just go, God, okay, I'm going to make this moment because God will meet you wherever you're at. And I just want to pray for a moment. With every eye closed, if you close your eyes and if we can create an intimate moment in every campus. I feel like Without embarrassing anyone, some of you here, you know, and you're online right now or you're in the campuses, you know that you're pulled to the side of the road. You know you are not functioning in all that God made you to be. With every eye closed, I want to pray a simple prayer that God would start to put those wheels back on. That God would start to show you what's really going on. With every eye closed, come on right now, would you just lift both hands to God and say, God, I, I, I'm going to be, I want God, I need you right now. Come on right through the, this campus here in South. His hands go up everywhere, right there in the north and in central. I want to pray this prayer saying, God, I need you. I feel like I, I've lost my purpose, God. I feel like I, I can't see the destination. God, I don't know why, why, why. But God, I thank you right now, Lord, in every location. I thank you in Jesus' name. That God, in seasons of disappointment, in seasons where we feel like we're under the shade cloth, we're under the leaf, Father. We need you. And I ask in Jesus' name right now, Lord, that God, you would intercept every person's heart that's going through a challenging season. For every person that finds themselves right now, maybe being faced with trying to fill the spaces that only you can fill, God, with addictions, with behaviours that are far removed from the call of God. For people that maybe right now are just saying, Lord, I just feel like I can't give anything more. I ask in Jesus' name right now, and we declare, Father Lord, that freedom is on the way, that breakthrough is on the way, that God, you're about to do something new, that God, you are going to reinstate purpose. The call of God is re-emerging. Dreams are reawakening, Father. And I sense right now they're in the north and in central. Dreams in Jesus' name. Business owners are about to have more vision for their future. That God, we're going to pour out your blessing in ways that we can't even imagine. That God, Lord, for anyone that's going through a deep hurt or disappointment, God, we pray that, Lord, just like your word says, you are near to the broken heart. Would you cover them with your love right now, God? Would you surround them with your love? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. 
If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.